Gaming and BS, episode 279, being recorded Monday, February 3rd, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. I'm feeling a little sick, Sean. One of my little plague vector children brought home some kind of a head cold. Ew, coronavirus. Yeah, I'm going to add a couple limes to my drink here, and I think I'll be fine. How are you doing? Feeling okay? I'm freaking feeling tip-top tip. That's awesome. That's perfect. You're out. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Good, good, good. Sorry to hear you're feeling under the weather. Nah, it's all right. I'll kick it eventually. Did you get any gaming in this last weekend? I did not. I uh, did. No. I did. Excuse me. Got to game with my little kids. Yeah? AJ wanted to play uh, the Rick and Morty um, Munchkin with Susan, so we taught Susan how to play Munchkin. And uh, AJ rapidly taught his mother how much betrayal and destruction he can wreak. Using her as the person that he, oh, you look like you get real far ahead, mom, crush. Oh, look how you're getting ahead, mom, crush. And then she came right back at him, so it was kind of fun to watch. But later that evening, I ran the next part of the D&D campaign for Alana and AJ. And they had this um, kind of adventure staring them in the face with these mind flares and this dwarven uh, clan trying to flee from the mind flare problem and digging into it. And they had told me, we're going we're gonna to stall that. By looking into this other idea that you had given us for a plot idea and this other little sandbox toy. Let's go over to this village of pine, white pine, and see what they've got. So they went over there, dug through the rubble, missed most of the signs and clues, and uh, unleashed a anti-paladin death knight on the world uh, of Tharzadun. So they figured out what they did after they ended up teleported somewhere else. Somewhere else. They're not sure where. And AJ looked at Lana and said, okay, how about we stall on the undead death knight of Tharzadun and go fight those mind flayers they were stalling on before. <laughs> can't do what you've... Can't undo what you've already done. Kids. No, you cannot. Yeah, so that was uh, that was fun. They both they both just giggled like, oh my god, what have we done? They thought it was hilarious. What like scary, would... but hilarious. Who'd you run? Essentials? No, just 5e. Oh. Straight out of it. AJ is a was he? He has a half orc barbarian, a Fomorian druid, and Alana has a tiefling uh, bard who disguises her tieflingness because um, of the problems that it creates. So she has a, a magic ring that allows her to disguise herself as human, and she wears two pair of gloves on that hand because she's so paranoid that somebody might take the ring off or lose it. <laughs> so she always says two. She's very specific. I have two pairs of gloves on that hand all the time. All right. She's uh, She knows her old man. She knows at some point I'm going to try to get that thing off of her. So that was a good game, though. It was really good. Sounds yeah. fantastic. Got anything coming up? Any D&D coming? Call, Call Cthulhu. Cthulhu tomorrow night. Oh, is it? I was going to ask you if that's still cooking. That's good. Wrapping up New York City, I think. Really? Problem what? is, I don't know where they're going to go after this, so I'm not prepared. What if they stick around New York and say, no, we're not done, man. We've got more digging to do. Oh, they're done. You sure? Oh, yeah. You're riding they're, out, of, they're they're riding out on try- a rail? They're barely finishing it because oh, okay. police. Oh, okay. So 
the town is quickly becoming too hot to hold them. Yeah. All right. Maybe we'll go to Singapore. Maybe. Or I Africa. don't know. Maybe we'll go to Egypt. I guess it depends on what they find tomorrow night. Well, I hope they go to Egypt. It's really deadly over there. Oh. Yeah, they'll be fine. I just, <laughs> I'm wondering what keeps them going. What do you mean what keeps them going? I think I know, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, No, are they having a hard time figuring out, are they are they staying motivated or are they kind of looking at each other, why are we doing this? Do, do, no, do. I think they're motivated. They know what they're wanting to do. They're wanting okay. to find the murderers of Jackson Elias, but yeah. you know, they could end up thinking they run into the murderers the next session and they're like, hey, we're all done. Yeah, and then, and then and you know what? Yeah, then I have to put them on the tracks. Yes. Yeah, baby. And, the, and then the train comes around the corner. What's that? Oh, no. It's Sean Train. Yeah, baby. Yeah. That's the nice see. thing about that adventure, though. Every, every little stop is another station on the railroad. They have some wonderful scenery. You get to look around, see some local shops, get a little local color. Then get the shit kicked out of them, go insane, almost die, or maybe die, and get back on the train and go to the next stop. And then do it all over again. They may, uh, they may kick me to the curb, though. May kick you to the curb? Well, they may say, hey, we're kind of done with this. Really? We play another game. Well, it's possible. I mean, my group isn't known for playing that group. Not that this is the non-Jeff group. No, no, no. There, there's now, I think, I'll tell you what. If that happens, let's talk about that, I think, is a show topic. Because there is, I had come up with, I have this really kick-ass idea that I want to run for my crew. And one of the things that would necessitate is them to keep track of shit, like keep notes, so on and so forth. And I was talking to Lenny about it. He's like, that's going to be hard to do, Brett. He said, because of playing once a month with blah, blah, blah. And we just talked kind of high level what I was wanting to do. And he's like, I don't, he's like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah, we could have done that. He's like, I don't think we can do that now. I don't know if we'll hold everybody's interest. I'm like, huh, good yeah. point. So I'm carving up a couple different options to see how I can keep the magic happening. So anyway, I'll uh, we'll bring this back. We'll bring it back. Any uh, announcements or anything cool? Uh, no, uh, just a quick one. If you shop at Noble Knight and you want some printed product, um, check out the support. Oh, I don't think I have it on the support-us page. Shoot. Well, I will after this episode. Um, we're, we have an affiliate with a relationship with Noble Knight. So if, you know, drive through, great. You can get some stuff printed on demand at drive through. We have an affiliate link there, but if you want to order something that's hard to find, that's, and you want it in print, check it out. Noble Knight, world's yeah, largest Knight. RPG store. Yeah. And everybody's, uh, every's, everybody's local game store. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Anyways. Oh, and um, speaking of gaming stuff that's happening locally, um, the housing portal for GameholeCon is open. Oh, GameholeCon's already on the damn radar for November. I know. It's because it's just barely out of January. Yeah, but the housing portal, people are like hammering them. Can I get a hotel room? Can I get a hotel room? Can I get a hotel room? So it's yeah. open as of like yesterday, I think this is February 2nd. So. If you want one, get in there and make it happen because that shit fills up fast, like lightning fast. Yeah. So, and uh, Alex has already got a list of special guests and stuff if that trips your trigger. If you're a special guest hound, he's got the list already started of who's coming. 
So he does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. At least they started to show up on the Twitters and so on. Crazy. Yeah. Other than that, I'm going to Gary Khan. Sean, you're still on the fence. You're not sure. Maybe we can get you down there for a day. Maybe. DeShane, DeShane says he's getting an astonishing swordsman for us. That's what he says. Hey, there's only one way to make sure that he does. You and I show up together. That's true. I have hardcovers. I have character sheets in hand. And I'm like, Tim, we're here to play. That's how you do that. I tell you, I drive my ass down to Lake Geneva. DeShane's going to put up. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Of course he is. He would. He's a good dude. I know he will. All right. Well, since we have nothing else to banter about up front, why don't we move on to Random Encounter? Random Encounter! Emails, voicemails, social media from listeners. We got one this week, Brett. One? Is that because you were late in the last one, dropping it? Well, it was pretty late. And, you know, I think, I mean, this is, we haven't scheduled consistently for a while. Like launching and and stuff like that. Like oh, Sean's ability to get things done on time is flagging. <laughs> and the reason is that I don't think a lot of I mean, there's some podcaster or podcast listeners mm. that look at their podcatcher like, ooh, it's out, and then they download it and listen to it immediately. But I don't think that's the majority. I think a lot of folks are two, three episodes behind. At least we've encountered that. Like, hey, catching up. I'm on episode 278. So before we dive into just this one, that means we got a little time. I'll ask you this question. We were talk- We had talked about, um, what is this, going to be year six for us? Yeah. Coming up? I think so. Anyway, it's five or six. We've been doing this for a while. Do we want to, um, one of the things that you and I have chatted about before, we're going to have a little off-site I sent you talk an email. I know. I'm, I'm 20 seconds. Oh. Good, man. 20 seconds. Good. Just wanted to tell oh, you that okay. right now. All so right. 20 seconds. Good. Okay. Um, but questions like to the community is like, hey, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? Something that can get, <coughs> excuse me, kind of not not sketchy, but it's almost, you know, it'll, you don't want to give people like, hey, we're thinking about painting the whole thing blue. Do you like blue? And somebody you're like, well, I like turquoise. I mean. There's certain things we don't want to change or that we do think maybe this or the other thing. But listening habits, as you're talking about, might be interesting just to see, hey, does consistency matter? Probably yes. Does, I should put that down as survey. Like, Yeah. Does day or time of week matter to you? If it's always on Monday morning at blah, 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 does that matter to you or do you just matter that's regular? I don't know. Well, if we're streaming, I don't, I don't know if it matters when we do it as long as we tell folks like hey we're gonna do tomorrow night at seven o'clock well, i think time. if we start streaming yeah uh it needs to be more consistent for the stream agreed now that doesn't necessarily mean if the stream is really consistent but it takes you or i because you're sick you're working you got something else cooking and you don't drop it on wednesday morning it goes out thursday evening that may not be as bad right but brett's head says if you're going to stream which is a immediately consumable thing by patrons or fans of the show, we need to be very consistent with that because people well, set their clock. Yeah, by that. people set their clock by that shit. Well, we should we should talk about that, man. This is on the. We should make an agenda. Do we have an agenda? Are we no, we're going to have to. God damn it! Call Phyllis. Phyllis, our office admin. Tell her to put that on the agenda. Yeah, she quit. She got sick of our crap, so we're out on our well, own. Now that's probably why it's not on the agenda. <laughs> probably not what to make the agenda. Yeah, she ran off with Gus. 
Well, these guys don't want to hear about us talk about bullshit like No, this. they don't. So let's random encounter it up, man. Yeah, man. I already said. We I got know. one. Read it. Want, oh, you want me to read it? All right. Yeah, read it. Read it. Josh? Yeah, I'll read it, man. Josh Wallace writes in his favorite house rule. Oh, cool. He actually emailed this to us. So, hail and well met. I'm a bit behind on topics. Huh? Case in point. There Case we go. Case in point. Yes, there. Uh, mm-hmm. But wanted to throw out my most frequently used house rule. I don't know why, but in each of the three groups I've played recently, the player who most wants to use high magic is also the player who can't add up their dice quickly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's just Is that's, that person's name Jeff? <laughs> that's just that's just so classic. Keep going. I have to be careful because there's other Jeffs in the world that are very nice and very kind and have their proverbial shit together. Well, your Jeff is nice and kind. He is. He just needs to get all his shit together. He doesn't together. hit the third checkbox, though. <laughs> he just needs to get all his shit just, together. I'm Put it in kidding. a backpack. Just kidding, Jeff, buddy. All right. Anyway, carry on. Without fail, they'd fire off some big spell, altering reality and potentially tearing the mask of God, but then start counting on their fingers as they add up the damage dice. Or, God forbid, roll their 12d8, but they only have a single d8 die. So they roll it 12 times, adding as they go. And sometimes forgetting if this was the eighth or ninth roll. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. Cue audio of a record scratch. Nice. I try to keep a cinema- cinematic high and high energy pace, and nobody wants to go out after a thrilling evening of watching some dingus add single digit numbers together out loud. I, I, with Jeff, when he was doing it, I was at the table, and I'm like, look at Jeff. You could just see the abacus in his brain. Slide these beads over this way. Slide beads over that way. Minus the, the table found my. The, the, yeah. The they table like thought was a, that I was amusing, yeah. Nice. To solve this problem, I habitually offer average damage for any rolls with more than two dice. I actually proposed that, too. I said, hey, you better get your shit together, Jeff, or you're just going to hit average damage every time. To speed it up. A 5e fireball is 86, average of 28. This lines up with the 5e monster manual, which presents average damage for monster attacks, breath weapons, and the like. I also use this, use this house rule with healing potions, especially if they're chugging three or four after combat. 2d4 plus two averages seven. So four potions is 28. Some players can add dice quickly. If they want to draw it out a little, rolling fistfuls of dice, they still can. But sometimes the pace at the table is better served by taking the average and moving along. Hope all is well, Josh. Josh has a good point there on pace. I try to, especially in my fancy combat stuff, I want to, oh, combat general, I want fast pace. Bullets are flying, laser guns are blazing, whatever's going on, fights are fisting, kicks are kicking. I want to make it quick. I'll make it, you know, kind of get the blood pressure up and whatnot. Um, or if you're scared, your character should be running. Yeah, they run away, stay or die. What do they do? Climb the wall. Oh, they might get eaten. You know, whatever it is. You're trying to make it seem tense. One way to do that is apply pressure. We have talked about this in the past that some people um, do not necessarily do well under pressure. And this is not saying that some people don't. I am math challenged. I was an English and philosophy major in college. Math is not my strong suit. If you give me a big handful of sixes and eights, and tell me to roll them all up and get to give you the average. It's going to take me a bit. I'm not as fast as like my buddy Seth, who's a human fucking calculator. Because while well, he's an accountant, so <laughs> he can roll a salad bowl of dice and click, he'll give you the number, right? One bean, two bean, three bean, four yeah, bean. He, <laughs> yeah, he's good at that. 
Now, that said, though, there are some folks. Um, I've played with people um, who have Asperger's. I've played with people with um, who don't like pressure. And if you put too much pressure on them, they crack. And some people have a very specific way to do things. And depending who you are and how you how well you know these people. In in your case with Jeff, you've known the guy for like 30, 40 years. Oh. You can you can bust his balls a little bit. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. I know my group for almost 30 years. I know these guys inside and out. We're you know, we're brothers at this point, best friends. So it's fine. I think there is something really cool to be said for for the averages perspective, especially when it's kind of crazy and it's fast. And that helps to take the pressure off. Like look Instead of eight D six or hey, I want to. I'm gonna drink. I've, I'm gonna drink these four healing potions back to back. Okay, how about we just take the average of seven, and um, or you could say you're gonna roll four healing potions. Okay, you can roll. Um, take a D four, take twenty eight, and then add a D four to it. Oh, cool. So maybe it's slightly above average, or do something to make it slightly variable, but limit the variability. I think there's some there's some power in that. I've actually started doing that. With some of my 5e back, or even bad guys in general, a standard damage amount just to speed things up instead of rolling. Oh, okay, so 17 orcs all attacked, and this one does two damage. This was a three damage. This is a four. This is da, 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 da. Here, brick. There, you take 17 points of damage, you take 10, you take 16, you take this, you take this, averaging and speeding it up. I think there's some, there's some power in that. Especially oh, yeah, man. I can't imagine what it would be like to run some of the encounters I did for Tomb of Annihilation, and it was just fixed damage all day. Like, it would just be fast. Cause, well, because every time somebody says something, the only, well, hmm, the only caveat to that is all the boons, right? Because you get, oh, it's always this, but if they keep the consistent attack... It should uh, okay, be the okay. same, right? Because Jeff's yeah, always yeah. smiting and doing goofy shit. So, it, yeah, and that's why I think for players it can be harder because it tends to have more options. But your mooks, oh yeah, your like the undead minotaur that has you know two and a battle axe that does you know eight to sixty four damage. Figure that. Look at the look at this thing. This is what the average damage is, and just hit people with it. Yeah, it's I would. I wouldn't mind trying that sometime. Just a straight game. Average rolls, all monsters, and then players, maybe, depending on what their configuration is. Might be interesting. It, Might be interesting to master, do, like, your standard... The players have a standard attack of 16 points damage. If they do a smite, then they roll the dice. Or if they do something special. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to play that one out. But, like, spells like the... A fireball is 86. It's 28 damage, man. Right. It's fast. Yeah, they should be able to just look up the number and tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Without rolling. Boom. 28. Well, and if you do or it did often, they empower Or did they empower the spell? Did they da 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 But if they do it often enough, you as a game master will know exactly what these players are dishing yeah, what, what, out every what time. What are the caveats? Yeah, what are the caveats? What does it look like? Yeah. I like that. Boom, bam, boom, no, bam. That's a, that's a good point. And especially if it's like everything's going fine and Josh has got a kick-ass game going, roll, 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 boom, boom, boom. Wait, and you stop. Yeah. One plus two is three, and then another five oh. is eight, and eight and seven is 15. There's plus another players eight is... that are like, man, I got to roll some dice. That's like the game. Oh, yeah. There's also a, from a pace perspective... 
Not everybody enjoys a fast and furious pace. Some people like a very methodical pace. I played the indie with these people. They are just as excited and super happy when they defeat the dragon if they are. Okay, I rolled a hit. All right, let's see. That's a 22. I'm class. I hit him. Click, 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 add, 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 add. And that is 24 damage. Cool. All right, good. He's got 24 damage. Next. All right, good. And the same thing over and over. Methodical, almost a monotone type of pace. Feeling, at least it would be to me. But I played with these these folks, and they're having a blast. They love this because that's their style of play. So it sounds like in this case, Josh's, um, Josh's gamer is... The other thing that happens to me is if you... I roll a whole bunch of dice in front of me. I'm like, oh my God, the pressure's on. I got to add these up real fast. That just makes it worse for Brett. I don't add any faster with pressure or a gun to my, the proverbial gun to my head than I do without it. It doesn't help. <laughs> so, Jeff, if you're listening to this, you're not alone, buddy. <laughs> oh, Josh's gamer, Brett, and Jeff. Apparently, we're all cut from the same cloth. Averages save me. I like the idea. And I got to admit, I don't use it often enough. I think I really should. Especially for the bad guys. Yeah. Because when you're higher level and you've got 30 goblins attacking the party, oh, for Christ's sake, just do five damage a piece. So much faster. Well, if it's, I like rolling big damage. Oh, big damage is fun. 2d12, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. But how many of those critters do you have on the table at once? I don't know. Man, there's never enough, Brett. <laughs> never enough. I like it. Okay. Cool. Good stuff, Josh. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Moving on. Yeah, let's get into the main topic already. All right, Brett, you know the deal. I do. One of the things that Sean and I have talked about, bemoaned, and uh, for almost 280 episodes, try to figure out different ways to help ourselves and our listeners is like the wonderment, right? How is How do we make this cool? How do we make this interesting again? And there is a thing that I have done that I've never put, I don't think I've focused on as hardcore in certain things. I believe I did it in my Iron Shoes adventure and a couple other things I've done with um, that one I've published, but other adventures I've run and so on, where it's basically a folklore-style foe, a monster. There are aspects of in the folklore of a creature, like a red cap or... Um, a banshee or a certain type of zombie or something in there, right? You can trick this creature by doing X. They are vulnerable to silver. They cannot be harmed if you are riding a mule and it's a Monday. There's lots of things that are almost equally goofy slash strange. Like if this sword was wedded in the blood of an innocent lamb, it will do critical damage. You know, the, the Jabberwock, I needed a vorpal blade. Or you, you need something special to trick, bypass the defense, and defeat the creature. It has a vulnerable spot. You know, Smaug, the golden, and the hobbit, he had a open... He's got a, a patch in the hollow with less, left breast as bears a snail out of a chill. And Bard the Bowman is able to st stick him with a black arrow because he was able to find that one place to do the beast in. That's a very folklore thing. Where D&D &D takes, for, for instance, and many... Um, fantasy games, in my opinion, take inspiration from folklore creatures. Silky, slips, dryads, um, all sorts of fairy creatures and goblins and such. And, however, oftentimes they become juicy bags of hit points for people just to wail the fuck out of and then get experience points for and, and now 
nab treasure from. So I started watching um, the Witcher series a while back. And it didn't even dawn on me that it was doing this. Until I, um, I'm a fan of the animated spellbook by Z Bashu. He's on YouTube. We'll have a link in the show notes. And animated spellbook did one on Witcher style monsters. He basically went, hey, this is how you make a folklore creature in D&D 5e. Really cool. It was a really neat, really neat thing. Did you watch that one, Sean? Yeah, I did. I thought you did a great job. Well, and it was weird because I was watching it. I'm like, what the hell is Brett talking about? And then he gets in after the animated piece and talks about it. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought of after watching it, and I went, wait a minute. This is a lot like my beloved Mike Magnola Hellboy series. Hellboy encounters a werewolf, a vampire, some creature, whatever, and or witch. Like, oh, I can use cold iron. Oh, this is the situation. I need to find this thing. Ah, they hate this. I have a cross. Oh, this is a um, a relic from a saint. This will stop this stupid fake creature or whatever the case is. And other shit just flat doesn't work. Like it has horrible, not horrible, but it has very powerful immunities. And I think it's a thing that we don't, at least I don't tend to do often enough in my D&D games because traditional kind of almost as Tim DeShane would say, self-referential, your, um, your creatures, oh, it's a band of bugbears. Well, they got X number of hit points. They do blah, 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 blah. You beat the fuck out of them and then they die. Oh, it's a dragon. They have certain immunities. Oh, it's for red dragons, but immune to fire, blah, 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 blah. But if you look at, I'm not a big computer game guy, so I take Inmate Spellbook, uh, Zebeshu's, um, word is gospel here, but like in The Witcher and a couple other video games is that if you are not prepared to fight the creature, you'll get the ever-loving fuck kicked out of you. You show up to fight, you know, the Silky, the Dryad, the Melwhips, and you don't have the proper tool to lure them out, keep them occupied. You don't have the Valerian root to chew to keep them from hypnotizing you. You don't have the gum Arabic to, you know, coat your blade with to stab it. You cannot bypass its defenses, and you will get the level of and fuck kicked out. You can't defeat the creature, uh, or I should say it will be incredibly difficult to defeat the creature if you don't find a way. What exactly is it? What's it vulnerable to, and how do you get at it? And I think by looking at some of these creatures, and I I was watching, um, Matt Colville had a uh, action-oriented monsters video and he's talking about how to make a single monster a better threat against party members like oh this is pretty cool but there's a there's a piece of this folklore stuff that i think we should pull out or we can pull out i believe looking back if i were to rework my uh, my iron shoes adventure i would probably lean even heavier in this direction but i believe i summoned part of this in that adventure if you don't know what i'm talking about i don't want to spoil it because the adventure is just out there but if you have it uh, and you've read it, let me know if you think I hit that on the head or if I was close to it. But, um, Sean, before I go any further, is this making sense to you, what I'm saying? It does. I think there's probably some pretty obvious reasons why it's not approached the way that... Lay them on me, then. What are your obvious reasons? Well... Laziness? Uh, no, I'm kidding. People, well, people are familiar with a lot of monsters. I mean... I mean, if you've gamed for a while and you've taken a, 
you've taken an approach with knowing all the monsters and what they're about. Yeah, I mean, if you fought Umber Hulks for the last yeah. 30 years, you know what Umber Hulk is. Right. So I think I think there's got to be two things, which is summed up in that video pretty well, which is tweaking the monsters. Yep, you basically give them a bunch of vulnerabilities. Right, and he says a... Was it a vulnerability one per CR? Yeah, he's got a he has a mat, he has a formula in it. Yeah, you go through the formula and he's like, "Hey, this is what I would do." Yeah, you know they're invulnerable to or have immunities to immunities to X and yes. one vulnerability. Like yes, they um they like the one example is Umber Hulks are attracted to the smell of flump meat. So you kill a flump, you can drag the creature out of its hole, and you can jump on it, and while you're chewing valerian root. You are then immune to its hypnotic gaze. Oh, and by attacking it with this weapon coated in this oil or the blood of a freshly slaughtered hen laying eggs or something weird, you, you can then beat the shit out of the monster or something. Right. So going back to that, if things get changed up or if players genuinely, genuinely want to say okay, I know what this is about, but my player doesn't, and they want to role-play that piece, then I think it does come into play where you can give them the weird, goofy sage that says, oh, you have to go, and this is the key to slaughtering this beast. Or I've researched, and I know, and that may be a knowledge check that some wise ranger makes or druid or whatever. I actually remember back in the day when I was a kid when we were like, oh my god, what? how do you fight a manticore? What can they do? We heard about a manticore. And the game master would say, the DM of course would be like, we could talk to a sage. Oh yeah, let's go spend some money to sage. And sage would lay out some of this crazy wisdom. And sometimes they'd lie to us. So we'd show up armed for something that it can't do. <laughs> but yeah, I think what I think you're getting at is I believe it would actually be easier to start a new game, a new campaign with this approach to monsters and lay out for everybody. Hey, look, I'm going to do monsters a little bit different. Do not be surprised. You can be flat out honest and say, look, I'm going to take a folklore report approach to monsters. And you need to be prepared properly so to get past creatures immunities. I mean, monsters will be doctored up heavily. Um Almost a monster of the week type of campaign, perhaps, or um, there's a whole pack of ghouls, and that's how you defeat ghouls, or, or whatever the case is. But I think it might be easier to start a campaign with this approach. I actually think I have done my Avalon setting. I think just by dint of it's a thing I'm, I, I like, but never put a name to. I tend to do this in that setting, but like right now with my kids, I would be hard pressed to slot that into the game because we've been. We have been playing D&D for a while, and if all of a sudden they ran into a creature that behaved, I mean, different or slightly strange is one thing, but, like, is now immune or super wicked tough. Like, wait a minute, it's just a goblin. Dad, you said it was a goblin. Oh, but it's a special goblin, you know. Wow. That that could get kind of, it could be kind of surprising, but if the tone of the game has not been... Of fighting folklore creatures or dealing with a Hellboy type of scenario, even in a uh, any game really with with a with a monster, I'm, we're picking on D and D, but I, I think it'd be easier to start from scratch than it would be to introduce it into a game setting. I don't know. Do you agree, or what do you think? 
I don't. I mean, I do understand the concern, but I don't know if it needs to be there. I don't know if it, if it's warranted. Um, would you would you just spray it on people? Well, I think it has to make sense in the narrative. So if if oh okay, the, I get it. If the party's beating up on goblins and they're standard goblins, and then all of a sudden they get deeper into the woods, and then the goblins are tougher because they're immune to metal or. They've got damage resistance to piercing. Anything that's not cold iron. Yeah, or whatever. Then I think that is part of the mystery that the players, the player characters have to unravel. But I think by doing it just because you're a game master and wants to implement it for the royal fuck of it, then I don't. Then I don't think it's. Then it's. Then it seems very. Well, I'm fucking kinda, with you. I'm fucking yeah, with you now. Yeah, they're knocking on my bad guys down i'm gonna make them super tough just for the hell of it you know actually when you when we start talking about goblins here it reminded me of every time i've introduced nilbogs which are the reverse goblins if you hit them they they i love them i did this in first edition games you hit a nilbog and you heal it you have to like use healing magic to kill it because they're that's <laughs> goblin spelled backwards that's the whole thing oh and i would always have them be like blue i don't know why they're blue but you find these goblins and then you're fighting him, fighting him. And then there's one, like, chieftain, and he's blue. Like, huh, that's weird. You whack the crap out of little fucker, and you, you never can't take him down. Like, son of a bitch. And then five more come out. Like, okay, this isn't good. But it was a narrative thing where the where these nilbogs were, like, they were the ones behind the goblins. The other goblins were terrified of them and did whatever they said. There weren't that many of them. But to your point, narratively, within the story of the adventure, it was... There was a reason for them to be there other than I'm fucking with my players just because or I needed to make things tougher for them. So I think that's a good point. If you're going to inject it into a game, as long as there is a narrative reason. So if you have fought um, fake creatures, um, dragons even, uh, ghosts, anything like that, any, any creature actually, you know, a boulette or a... And keg, anything. You could be like, oh, this is a it's a rare subspecies, or it's a this, or, you know, you could take a manticore. There's lots of different ways that manticores have been described and used in different game settings. And um, tweak it a little bit. and have, It's special. And one of the things about a folklore-type foe is that it is normally immune to the thing you're used to wailing on it with. You know, even in a lot of uh, modern... I shouldn't say a lot, but in some of the modern magic settings that I've run, you know, in Vampire of the Masquerade, you know, mirrors only bothered, I think it was La Sombra because they were shadowy. Um, garlic didn't bother lots of things. Silver was kind of blah. Some of those things that were standard does do not work or don't work quite right. You find, oh, there's something special about this beastie, right? That I have to suss out what the special thing is. Oh, I'm going to get their Lord and shit kicked out of me. And I, I can't defeat the creature. And I think you can, it doesn't necessarily have to be a single creature, like one large giant or a cyclops or, or whatever that would be, um, a banshee or, or whatnot. But it could be a small host of things, a pack of nilbogs, a pack of goblins, a pack of um, boggles or, or shit, all sorts of, all sorts of uh, fake creatures and then, in the monster manuals and stuff, anything like that. Or then again, I'm, I'm leaning in that direction because the folklore aspect of it, but any creature that's like a pack of them, wolves, whatever, 
changing up aspects of it. I think in some ways, D&D has done that type of thing for a while. You'd have wolves, dire wolves, hellhounds, winter wolves, death dogs. Blink dogs. Blink dogs. Variations on the theme. You're like, oh, it's a pack of wolves. Ah, fuck, they blink around. Ah, it's a pack of dogs. Ah, shit, they breathe ice. Ah, they breathe ice. Oh, Christ, they breathe ice. Um, but what I have, but I think by taking something that doesn't already have, um, I, I guess adding this type of approach to it is kind of cool. You know, like, huh, it's an ogre or it's a troll. I love doing this with trolls and just tweaking them so that you hit them with fire and they don't care. What do you, what do you mean? Well, it's a troll. I hit it with fire. Mm, doesn't seem to bother it. Fuck, it's immune to fire. Shit. Or I try acid. No, ah, fuck, that doesn't work either. And it's beating the crap out of you. All right, retreat, retreat, retreat. Shit, shit, shit. There's more coming. All right, back it up, back it up. What the fuck hurts these things? You got to do some research and figure it out. You have to come in prepared. And I think that by making it so that you need to, when you encounter the creature, if you don't encounter it prepared, it's more challenging. To me, if it's done right, narratively speaking, as you're outlining, I think it can make the creatures more fun and shouldn't make the players frustrated. It should make the, it should be a challenge for them. Like, Oh, we have got to go sort this out. How the hell do I take care of the creature that lives in the bell tower? How do I take care of the things that live under the crypts? I've got to go figure out what to do. Talking to sages, NPCs, engaging with the world other than through the end of your sword, talking to people, doing the research and so forth and to suss out what it is that you got to do to bypass its defenses. I think that's kind of cool. This goes back, Way back to when we were talking about how a lot of these games have lost their luster because we know so much about, not the luster, the wonder, because many of us have memorized all the monsters. And in in fairness, like even when I'm running Tomb of Annihilation 5e for Jeff and the gang, you know, it ends up like, wait a minute, hold on a second, and I'll, you know, no, it's that's doesn't it's not working that way. Or there are things like Jeff detect evil. You know, he's throwing detect evil all over. Of course he is. He's powerful. Of course, man. yeah, he's in the tomb of annihilation. Like evil's all over the place, man. You know, but they change the spell, so there are some modifications that have occurred from addition to addition. But nonetheless, a lot of this comes down to. You got to have a little faith in your game master that they're not out to screw you intentionally and that there is some reason why you're running into a goblin that's just not a normal goblin. And the other thing, this may be a wonderful, cool thing. We just talked to Tim DeShane about Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerer by Borborea. You're playing this game in a setting you've never played before using similar rules, but not exact. Dungeon Crow Classics, for example how it encourages you to make up monsters and design them and develop them. This type of approach in DCC is perfect because there are some creatures, but not a lot of standard, right? And Astonishing Swordsman, it'd be another great setting environment to do this in. It's not that you can't do it in Dungeons and Dragons. Animated Spellbook clearly outlines how the hell you can do it. Um, however, I think... If you do get your players to play a different game, um, using a different rule set or setting that's drastically different with a different rule set or something, or just it's similar but different, blah, 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 as we're talking here, I, I think it's a great opportunity to crack that out and make it a little bit different. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, and it doesn't 
it doesn't take much. And I'm interested to do more of it. I think I would do more of it if I was doing a home game. Like I would, if I weren't run pre-published, I would yes. probably get a little bit more creative. Like I would, I mean, I would tweak the monster to not always be just the monster. Like, okay, what would normally have no brain or intelligence or whatever, you make it. And why? Why is this one creature, this, you know, this bugbear, an intellectual? Yeah. He's got a library in his cave. You know, what the hell? Why is that there? Yeah. Yeah, maybe he was enchanted with something. Maybe he came across something. That's an actual magical spell book that gave him like a 1920 intelligence. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. There's this horrible yeah. monster that's incredibly wicked intelligent, powerful as all hell. Oh, it's cursed. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was there was a lycanthropy deal where, you know, you read it, you go, oh, yeah, so-and-so, they don't know they are, oh, by the light of the moon, blah, blah, blah. They can't control themselves and so forth. If someone's really, truly cursed and they don't get it, Take the lycanthropy rules and you're a werewolf. But when you're not a werewolf, you're totally lawful good. You're totally a good person. You don't understand what it is you're doing. Jekyll and Hyde, baby. You could Jekyll and Hyde. You could uh, Stephen King, Silver Bullet. Um, the bad guy. Spoiler, you know, shouldn't be a bad guy based on his day job. But guess what? Turns out to be a bad son of a bitch. Not good. Uh, have you seen Silver Bullet? Or read the book? Not. Oh, okay. It's an 80s movie. I could kind of, I could probably spoil it. I'll spoil it. 80s movie. I'm going to spoil it. It's been out forever. All right, so per, if you, the, we're going to watch Silver Bullet. So the, the priest is the bad guy. He's a werewolf. Oh, Jesus, Brett. I know. I wrecked the whole thing. But, you know, if, if you're in there and you're playing your D&D game and there's a werewolf wreaking havoc on the town or a were-boar or were-rats or whatever, and people don't know they are or they may suspect they might be and they're worried and they're terrified they won't come clean, they don't even know what to do to defeat themselves or how to stop this thing or whatever, taking the creatures and really leaning into the ecology of them is kind of what you're talking about a little bit too. And that's where I think these the folklore foe approach of, as um, Anime and Spellbook talks about, and if you read any of the Hellboy comics and stuff, when he encounters a thing, huh, these are ghosts. I bet they have some, um, they seem to have some unfinished business. I wonder if I help them do that if they'll go away. That's not as tra- trad D&D as fighting the ghosts with your magic weapons and defeating them in a hand-to-incorporeal hand hand combat, but finding a different way. And that's another component, is that if players that find a way to defeat, you know, the horrible dark fae that lives in the swamp, and um, or a, a hag... Let's pick on a hag, which is basically a nasty, dark, fake creature. If they find a way to trick the hag to get it to release the person that's captured, the child, the cat, the dog, whatever it's done, un- uncurse somebody, remove a curse. If they get it to do a thing, Whatever, however you're rewarding people with experience points, be it, you know, like, hey, you level up because you hit a marker or you get X number of XP for something. But they are equally rewarded for f- sussing out, figuring out the problem. And sorting out a solution, you know, is another way that your folklore heroes win. All the knights can't defeat the creature, but Jack the Giant Slayer figures it out. He's a farmer. He just figures out, oh, wait, it's the one of these? I can do that. Or, hey, Grandma told me, use cold iron, therefore I got rid of the troll. Or whatever the case is. 
you know, you can, you don't have to, that's kind of how you can be the, the not the knight in shining armor and still defeat the creature type of thing where the kids defeat the witch through cunning and guile because they pay attention to the clues that are given them. Right. And I think that's as long if you can reward the players for sticking to that shtick, if you will, stick to that genre, stick to that folklore approach. If they're rewarded for that, like, oh, they're behaving in such a way, they make their perception check, or you're not even using perception checks, they're just watching the witch and how it moves and what it does, and you note for the the player note or the character, excuse me, notes that because Sean says, Oh, you're watching the witch? Oh yeah, she clearly um she has a wooden leg. Oh, she has a wooden leg. Okay, mark that down. She has a wooden leg. What if we figured out a way to use that to our advantage? Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, looks like she never touches oak leaves. Okay, good. No, noted. Wooden leg won't touch oak leaves. I mean, that type of play, it can be methodical. And some people may find it slow, but it's very investigation heavy. Figure out the deal and then go after it prepared. Because again, if you show up unprepared, you get the shit kicked out of you. On top of all this, I really think it comes down to what I would what I would call it a what smart a smart game. Like I think sometimes we get into not smart games. Like the hack and slash kill and take their stuff. Well, it can be very one dimensional at oh, times. Oh, okay. So yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, and and that's not a knock on people that are wanting it simple. As a matter of fact, you almost have to at times because player characters will get caught up. Well, shit, man. Sometimes that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You kill oh, yeah. a bunch of you kill the bandits. Sometimes that's just easier than every time you turn around. Every creature you need to find out if it's immune to maple sap. <laughs> yeah, mean. yeah. Every you know, not every monster. Oh no, another monster. We got to figure out. You know, it doesn't always have to be like that. And all this is a uh, all we're talking about is a different style of play as well. But I think that smart play. I mean, it depends on the group and if they want that. Because I think sometimes when they're like, hey, you know, it's a goblin is a goblin, a troll is a troll. And if you say, all right, I'm playing with a pretty good group. Like, I know them pretty well. I know they know their characters pretty well. I know they know their system pretty well. So you almost have to get to a point where it's like, what? how can I challenge these uh, men and women in a way that doesn't always have to be the same? And so whether it's tweaking your monsters, see, the, one thing also, Brett, we were t- talking about is how DCC makes up all their own kind of monsters, right? There's no set man- monster manual. Some people don't like that at all because there's no point of reference, right? Yeah. That, and that's where I mean, a monster in DCC could be a, a human guy with a bowling ball head. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely could. And yeah. But I think by taking something with a point of reference but not using it or using it as a reference point and not a absolute definition right is the key here right but i think going i mean how would somebody say i i run a game or i like to play smart and what does that all entail and i know this could be a whole nother topic to actually talk about but it's some of those things where the traps can be tricky but they don't have to be nutty like they don't have to be grim tooth right yeah I mean, you know and the the creature is so giants giants bone marrow 
that's what they subsist on. I mean, some ancient folklore monsters lived on a thing. What do they live on? They live on the blood of children. What do they live on? They live on bones. That's what they eat. They eat the, the, they eat the bones of the innocent. O okay. <laughs> what do these? They live on the flesh of the recently deceased or something. And you're like, wow, this there's a giant living in the mountains and it's doing this thing. That's a very particular weirdness. Well, you know, it, it's a particular weirdness. Then how do we deal with that particular weirdness type of, type of deal? So, yeah, I... I get where you're going. You take that info, right? You give yeah. them, give them the info, let them find the info, mm -hmm. come up with creative ways to get that info, and then allow them creative ways to use that info. Yeah, and if they don't know, if your players are like, "Well, how would I even find this information?" So forth. I tried to do with Iron Shoes, as I as I said, is I sprinkled out ways to figure out from different NPCs have different pieces of information. And I think what you need to do is seed the locale, the people, the stuff. And people say, where the hell would I get it? Well, remember in town, there's the bar. People know all sorts of shit there. You have um, the local, um, <clears throat> you've got a witch. You have a sage. You have somebody who was attacked by the creature before. Um, and if you have you ever seen Thirteenth Warrior? I don't think so. Okay, it's fun fun movie. And at the beginning of the thing, the creatures that they're the Vendel, these horrible monster <clears throat> humanoid things. Oh my God, they're part bear, part man. They talk to a guy who survived a Vendel attack, and he's like, "It was a man that was on four legs, on two legs. It was a part bear. I couldn't kill it. Blah blah blah." And again, spoiler, it's, you know, you find out that that's not what it is, right? <clears throat> that's another piece in folklore. Sometimes you'll find out that it's a creature. Everybody thinks it's a thing. You come to find out it's a guy in a bear suit. That's happened. <clears throat> um, or it's a type of silky that sheds its hide or does something. But you can, but it, as long as you seed the area with the right information before or shortly after they come back from getting their asses kicked, like, look, here's the deal. You're brought in. The king needs you to solve this problem. There's a creature in the hills that's doing X, Y, and Z. Um, in the king's court, there is the advisor, the uh, the lady warlock. You've got um, two nobles. You've got a knight who encountered the creature and couldn't defeat it with his lance. And four farmers. And those men and women have also encountered it. They'll have a story to tell. They've got something. And then somebody, you know, after they start poking and asking, one of those characters goes, well, I guess you could talk to old Ezekiel. He lives outside of town. He's a hermit. All right, fuck, maybe Ezekiel knows something. Fuck, I bet it's Ezekiel. He's the werewolf. You go out there, oh, no, it's not Ezekiel. Well, come to find out it could be Arthrisha who lives over there. Ah, fuck, I gotta go talk to her or whatever the case is. So it can be a lot of, almost a call a Cthulhu type of adventure where you have to go sort and prod and figure things out. And that, I think, <clears throat> helped arm me a lot by running... Um, call Cthulhu style games or even modern investigative games where you've got to go find stuff to figure out who's behind the crime. <laughs> and by having to do that, running it very investigation heavy encourages that smart style of play I think that you're getting at is you've got to go figure it out. It's like, oh, it's a cult. I'll go bash down the church and uh, kill everybody in it. Um, might not be the right church, but okay, sure, that's what you do. Well, they look like cultists to me. <laughs> that doesn't do go so well unless you're in Call of Cthulhu or that's how you get eaten by Azathoth. 
or whatever. So anyway, I think, yeah, there's seeding the area with details in places where, where the players know their characters can get intel. And don't be afraid if it's the first time or just a couple times after you've done this to remind the characters, remind the players that, hey, remember you guys had said that you were going to go talk to, you know, Arthrisha over here, you're going to talk to Ezekiel, you're going to talk to the Warlock, you know, and she was going to had promised to give you some data and you still need to talk to the farm couple. Oh, yeah, that's right. We haven't done that. Oh, shit. Let's go talk. To, how are we going to do blah, 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 blah. And then they break up and go do their thing. But encouraging the characters through the players to go find the data. I think can really help a lot because if they encounter the troll, Oh my God, it's weird. It's weird. It's crazy. Well, are we supposed to figure that out? Well, I remember I back in town, I, I gave you 16 different leads. You can go figure it out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyway, I like it. I just, <clears throat> I think I do more of this with convention games than I do sometimes in my regular campaigns. And I think I need, I need, I want to start bringing this more into my campaign play. Because I find for one-shot con events, it's fun to take a creature or a type of creatures. Like I had um, in my fish story, um, the creatures I had in there, I built a little weirdness around them. And there were enough clues that the players in that game figured out, oh, we have to do X, Y, and Z or to stop them. And I think that by doing that, it gives people like, oh, I have, it's a very folklore effect. Oh, I need to find out what its weaknesses are so I can capitalize on it in this four hour gaming session to, to defeat the monster. I think it works really well there. I think it's something I could pull into a campaign play as well. I just need to knuckle in and make it happen. Cool, man. You good? I'm good, dude. All right. So, um, I apologize. I'm sick. So I'm sniffling and coughing more than usual, but if listeners out there have, um, experience with this, if there is a game system or setting that you're like, Oh, Brett, you dumb shit. You just play the Witcher RPG. You should just play this thing. You should play that thing. Oh, look into this. That would be great. I would love to know more about those types of things that are out there. I've actually picked up different um, as, um, little books and things that my kids have, um, Spiderwick Chronicles and a number of other things similar to that about, you know, different creatures and so forth and the different folklore aspects of it. Started rereading my Hellboy stuff. I think it's really cool and something that I don't do enough of. And perhaps other people out there are like, well, fuck, dude, I do this all the time. Great. Good for you. But if you've got tips or tricks, let us know what those are because it'd be great to share. So, Yeah, share, stingy. Share that stuff, man. Share it. All right. Let's die roll. Get a die roll. After this, Baby. I got to take some NyQuil and pass out. Shaky, shaky, shaky. All right, die roll. Bye-bye. A uh, few. So- uh, link in the show notes for the inspiration of this particular episode. Um, it's, it's good. I think people will find it amusing. I, I didn't know this guy existed. So Oh, he's fun. I think I've called him out before. If you watch this and you like it, go back and watch his other. They're all very short. Very short and very tight. If you have never played 5e before, you're like, how, do the, uh, how does this mechanic work in 5e? He's got it. How does the spell work? He goes through it. It's, he does, it's fun. He's funny. And interesting, and I actually learned quite a bit by watching them. What's the second one? Uh, Dave Beatty's Australia Relief Raffle. So our buddy Dave Beatty, Dark Trails Master, has um, he sets up a gaming raffle for uh, for animals. He's a he's a sucker for uh, cats and and wants to help out different humanitarian causes like that in his local area. And um, 
like a lot of us, he uh, also watched Australia, like the whole goddamn thing catch fire. And like a billion, literally a billion animals estimated dead. It's fucking like 15.6 or more million acres burned. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. 1,400 homes destroyed, so on. So he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put together a raffle and throw each dollar donated goes into a drawing. We're going to take all this stuff and we're going to send it to uh, a relief fund to help these guys out. I hope our brothers and sisters down in Australia out. He's got stuff from Goodman Games, of course, Steve Poag, Weird Works, Impact Miniatures, Vance Games, Thick Skull Adventures, Mud Puppets, Greg Lesby Publishing, Purple Sorcerer. Oh, Ken Campbell. Oh, God. He's got lists and lists and lists of stuff. Link in the show notes to it. But check it out. It's a hell of a good cause. And Mr. Beatty is not only a gentleman, a scholar, a friend of our show, but just an all-around good guy. And I think it's definitely, if you've been wanting to do something like I have, like, where do I, how do I, what do I, what should I do? This is a good opportunity. So I'm going to get in on this. Yeah. Check it out. Thanks, Dave, for all your efforts. Absolutely, man. That's Appreciate good stuff. It, buddy. I'll have to check that out. Edwin Nagy points out a couple creative efforts. Huh. One is done and over. It was like a Valentine Kickstarter or India Go Go by Frog God. And that's, you can't even get in on it. Uh, sorry, Edwin. Uh, but the other one, one shot mystery adventure inspired by HP Lovecraft, 5e compatible, fully funded on Kickstarter. Um, you can pledge late to that one. Um, looks pretty good. So if you're Call Cthulhu and 5e, people have kind of. Nice. Check that out. Uh, the next one, thanks to Jared Rasher for por- pointing out, pointing out, <laughs> pointing, <laughs> pointing, pointing, Hey-o. pointing out epic house rules attack its weakest point for massive damage by James Heck on D&D Beyond. So Jared's like, hey, I know a lot of people might not read the D&D Beyond articles or Unearthed Arcana. But this one, I thought, wow, how serendipitous, Brett. Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. So there's some rules that are up there that... Similar. Here's got yeah. vulnerabilities, weak points, finding the weak point, yeah. legends of it, attacking the weak point. Oh, dude. They awesome read, stuff. They read Brett's mind. They did. I love it. Uh, and then the last one, Meeple Stock and Stevens Point. Nola Burt wanted us to point this out. March 20th to the 22nd here in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Yeah, as uh, as those of us live in Wisconsin, that is right at the fry line. Everything from Stevens Point north is deep fried. Down here, you could get it grilled. Got it. It's the fry line. Just it's so you the know. fry line, <laughs> or, 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 or what some of us would say above the pine curtain. Above the pine curtain, yeah, that's no. up north. That is up north. That's getting up north. That's not yeah. north. It's north. Right up north. Now you've yeah. got a geographic uh, lesson. Con- Wisconsin, yeah. Stevens Point is literally, I think, in the center of the state. Pretty damn close, yeah. Yeah. So we are very much south. Yes. Which is unusual because many capitals in each state are more center-based. Yes. But not us. Nah, we're a little weird that way. Well, we're a lot weird in a lot of ways. Eh, what are you going to do? I don't know. Fry it. Deep fry it. Probably. It'll deep make fry it and drink some brandy. <laughs> yeah. Let's deep fry that cheese and get some brandy. Brandy and Cokes. Brandy and Cokes. Deep fried cheese. Got it. All right. Oh, we'll man. Oh, up. man. Wisconsin, baby. All right, Brett. 
what the hell are we talking about next week? I'm not sure about next week. Actually, I'm going to go through. We've had a number of different really cool things pop up in the uh, in the Hoppa idea on our um, on our uh, forum. So I'm going to comb through that this week and get something going. So I'm a little behind on that. I apologize, but we'll find something cool. All right. All right, Brad. I'm sick. I'm calling it a mulligan. That's fair. That's fair. Being thank sick you. sucks. It does. Yes. This is so miserable. Uh, I want to thank Harrigan, Mumphrey999, and Ghost DM for joining the Discord. Listen to this live. If you want to listen to it live, head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash Patreon. Give us a buck a week or a buck an episode a month, which comes to about four bucks. You can be in on this craziness live once a week. So thanks, everybody there. Yeah, thank um, you very much. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it, it for this episode, man. All right. Shit. We're getting there. It'll be 280 next week. 280, baby! <laughs> that's off to 300. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, Aaron Raylia, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Curtis Takahashi, Joe Swick, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzwedo, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Talvola, Huss Carl, Roger Brasslett, Mark Soam, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Chad Glayman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, and Merkel Froelich. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.